Welcome to Gin and Tantra, Spirituality with a Twist, the podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese Medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing I want for. You to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Okay, so we're here for the inaugural episode of GNT. I am one of your intrepid co-hosts, Eric Baker, along with our other intrepid co-host, one Daniel Domalekni. Greetings, Daniel Domalekni. And uh, by a process of a uh, very deep process of consulting the stars, throwing the coins of the I Ching, and mainly by virtue of the fact that I was the one who went to the trouble of writing this intro up, I was <laughs> put in charge of doing the intro for this inaugural episode. And uh, the first thing to point out is that uh, Daniel and I have actually created a trio of inaug- inaugural episodes, a mighty triumvirate of inaugural episodes. You could even say sort of a tantric spiritual menage a trois. episodes uh one of those will include a much longer and certainly much more self-indulgent intro to daniel and i and who we are trying to address the fundamental and super obvious question of who are these people and why should i be listening to them talk about this stuff so it will probably go under a title like uh tmi exactly getting to know way too much about you Yes. And that's an obscure reference to a song from the old Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, The King and I. Bang! First obscure reference of the whole series. (laughs) The other is a podcast uh, that we wanted to do that's really sort of the main theme of the podcast. Probably something like a podcast of a thousand episodes starts with a single step, Mm. which is a more erudite reference to Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching for our Taoist fans out there. And that's the episode that will really address like what we're really trying to do with this, the whole project, which is presenting, discussing these, what we consider to be these really important, deep spiritual teachings, deep traditional teachings, but really thinking about how they apply to, to us as 21st century people apply to our 21st century lives. So that's the main thing we're about. Um, but because even though this was in the development stage long before, as Daniel, I'm sure will point out, because very long in this. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a process, you know, um, we are kicking things off during the COVID-19 outbreak. And we both really thought first we should talk about what that means to start doing a podcast under these circumstances, right? Really talking about spirituality under these immediately dire conditions. So uh, we're going to be doing this episode for which I'm pitching the title Spirituality in the Time of Corona, which is another literary reference to the great magical realist author, Gabriel Garcia Marquez and his love in the time of cholera. So uh, this is kind of our first episode to do this. I like, I like the, I think we've even talked about this. I like the, the love in the time of cholera thing. I have like a kind of a fetish for, for great books with first great sentences. You know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. All it, was happy family. Se- it was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. What's that from? That's the next sentence after that line. Shit, dude. Is that true? Yeah, I had to actually <laughs> memorize that as a sophomore uh, in high school. So you know the rest of it? That's great. Uh, not off the top of my head, but maybe oh, a few that's drinks. Already beautiful. Maybe a few drinks in and I and I might come off the top. <laughs> so 
uh, that's great. I didn't expect you to kind of continue the continue the bit. <laughs> 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 okay, I like uh, this this um, love in the time of cholera. Um, it has this great first sentence. It was inevitable. The scent of bitter almonds always reminded him of the fate of unrequited love, because mm. it's the smell of uh, you know um, arsenic, right? Right. So, um, and that's kind of like I know it, it. It struck me as apropos because kind of like a lot of people I'm thinking about a lot of the deeper things in life. A lot of us are, and I am thinking about love in the time of Corona, you know, and, uh, all these things. So I guess that seemed kind of okay to do as an intro, uh, an intro episode title to this, to this issue. Uh, I actually have probably like a love in the time of Corona letter that I want to write to somebody, you know, you start thinking about the people you love and want to reach out, you know, to people. So I'm definitely turning it around in my head. Yeah. You feeling that kind of stuff too? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely thinking about that. You know, things are sort of paused in in terms of life for a lot of people at this current time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think as time goes on, there's going to be a number of different narratives that come out of this particular time. You know, outside of the most obvious ones, which are sort of economic and you know health type concerns but there will be a lot more that come up and I, I think at least what we're trying to do with this particular podcast right now and but then just in general is provide some kind of way uh, that people can you know question some of the things in their life and given where we are now with everything on pause, there's really a sort of a ripe opportunity to do that for many people. And, you know, in, in a moment here, we're going to kind of talk about uh, some of those opportunities for those folks and then how to implement some of the things that we're talking about in a very realistic way. And so while, you know, we're discussing some of these sort of philosophies and ideas, you know, from, you know, time immemorial, they are absolutely realistic in, in our desire to get people to think about how can they implement some of these things in their regular life. In, yeah, what's kind of trippy? Um, did you check out the Chris Cuomo thing yet? Which part? Oh, you know, like we, okay, you, you know, he had COVID, right? Yeah, so we yeah. all know that. And he's out. Basement. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a kind of an interesting video and he's like pulling it all back off the table. But you can still find it, you know, online. He basically said, uh, you know, in it, I don't even know who was interviewing him, but he basically just comes out and he says, you know, I really don't like my job. I don't like anything I'm doing. Oh, I and think I, I saw that earlier. Really, he I talks about like the, being the involved lying in something of, so meaningless. Yeah, he talks know? about the, the lying of the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like he's really hitting on like this, like my, I mean, he's obviously a millionaire, however much he has. And I guess sure. the, 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 the amusing part, I suppose, on some levels, he just rehooked with CNN again on some fat ass contract, but you know, you, you can see, you know, someone gets sick and the wheels start turning and they really start thinking about things differently. And I guess even if right. you're not in the immediate sick part, you know, right. you're still, the wheels are turning, but it was, it was interesting to hear him. Cause he's just like, yeah, I'm like, I don't like my job and, and I don't like doing things that are meaningless. And, and then he goes off some other stuff. He's talking about arguing with people and, mm. you know, uh, people who give him shit. <laughs> Well, street, you know, whatever. That's, but, uh, you want to be in front of the camera, you know, and, and get yeah. paid. That's what's going to happen. That, that, that's how the cost, everything has a cost benefit. And the benefit of being famous is the cost of being famous. So I don't feel, a t I mean, this I mean, maybe even part of this episode, but I don't necessarily feel like a, like so much empathy for that. You know, if you're going to be on TV and get paid millions of dollars and some dude, 
interrupts you in public, I don't know if I feel I'm not crying about that personally. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not crying. Yeah. All right. So in terms of what we're, we're, you know, you, you captured it really well, time immemorial, immemorial for these teachings. It's a good phrase, right? So really we're, you know, in this episode, for the most part, we're really talking about spirituality during a time of crisis, right? Mm, mm. And the fact that people are experiencing all kinds of different types of experiences during the time of crisis. So that was one of the, one of the main things we wanted to talk about first, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Especially the, the idea that they're, you know, I talk about Chris Cuomo <laughs> or, you can t- or you can talk about whoever you want to talk about. Um, we were talking about the Bill Maher interview with Nikki Glaser and she was interesting to listen to about this because, you know, she suffers from depression and it's hard for her to be at home, you know, living back in her house. You know, she's a comedian, right? Uh, living back in her house in St. Louis or something. So there are people who are having those problems. Um, sure. Of course, in a lot of situations, there has been the emphasis on the people who are stuck at home you know, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden facing their lives, but they're not facing the immediate kinds of struggles and sufferings that we wanted to lead with first, because we just want to acknowledge that there's people who are really facing it very difficultly, difficult, you know, in the, in the absolute now. Absolutely. We wanted wanted to talk to that because I think obviously it's being talked about, but it wouldn't make sense for us to do a podcast and, and not talk about that. Yeah. No, that would be it would be ignoring too much. You know, I think uh, something I'll mention is, you know, you and I talked just a little while ago about the small business kind of entrepreneur aspect of this uh, with the place where I rent space from the owner of this, you know, facility. He's probably got, you know, a dozen employees or so and he's got overhead and rent and he's finding it extremely difficult to. Um, acquire funds and and take care of his own his employees and and things like that. He has a good loyalty to them and they do to him. But simultaneously, like this is going to make it much more difficult for people who are entrepreneurs moving forward to find the the gall really with inside of their own personal commitment to take that step into the you know into the business into the economic unknown really given you know, the difficulty that, that these people are facing at this time, there's going to be a lot of small businesses and things like that, that are closing. And that's just from an economic standpoint, you know, people have their lives into these businesses. So it's, um, you know, we're not crying spilt milk over, you know, people who are making a ton of money, but not every small business generates a lot of money. Sometimes it is literally a mom and pop shop where they support their family on it. And so we have to kind of be aware of that. And simultaneously, there's people who don't have any business or any kind of anything and are suffering beyond belief at this time that no one is putting any mics into their face because no one really, I don't know if they don't care, but it's certainly not sexy. That's for sure. And yeah, I think as we go through this, we're going to try and, and, and really relate what it is that we're trying to say, not just to those who have and can sit at home and study and learn, like for sure those people, but then also the people who have an immense amount of responsibility and hardship that they're going through that like there is even still opportunity for those people to use this time and to use any time to find ways to polish themselves in some way, shape or form that can help themselves, their immediate family and potentially their their future as well. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. So when we were talking about like you know, doing this thing, and this is a little bit showing how the sausage party is made or something like that, you know, getting <laughs> behind the scenes. But you know, it was really sort of an exercise. I realized as we were talking through it, it was an exercise sort of in love and compassion. Yes. So in the Buddhist tradition, which we're going to be referencing a lot, the the tantric Buddhist tradition, 
you know, they have these two sets of things you're trying to develop in yourself. One side is wisdom and insight. And the other side is just cultivating love and compassion. And, and, and so this is sort of the love and compassion episode, as far as I'm thinking about it, you know, in the main way, because it's sort of for almost every situation we were going through, because we were just kind of talking through it going, okay, we know people who are going through this and people who are going through that. And we could really come up with people that we know who are in these situations, you know, like right in the front line of dealing with the most difficult parts of this whole thing. So yeah, it's, it's right what you're saying. Part of what we want to do is we want to talk to people who are getting mentioned a lot, you know, people who are, you know, at home and they're kind of, they're doing the, they're doing the Chris Cuomo. I mean, what's, what am I doing? <laughs> right. What's my, what's my life about again? I've had those moments for sure. You know, and I've texted with people about it, you know, and, uh, uh, but we also wanted to really talk to the people who are, who are also maybe a little bit more at risk of being ignored. And we certainly wanted it. It wouldn't be right to have an episode where we did, didn't do it talking about the people who are immediately facing difficulties as well. Right. And bef before we even go into that part, can, can we just take a, a quick aside and maybe you can highlight for some people who are not necessarily uh, keen on the lingo as to what they mean by quote wisdom and quote love and compassion just on, on even a little bit more simple terms i think we can all maybe understand them you know in terms of their their literal definition but how about a, maybe a more working definition um to give people that idea in case they've heard these before and they don't really understand or this is their first time hearing those two you know really core tenets of buddhism in general well wisdom is a deep one right so when mm -hmm. you start talking about wisdom that'll probably be many many episodes of this thing trying to explain that one well, give but, me a 30 second bite for those people who are, you know, looking to wet their whistle. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wisdom thing is, uh, will be what they call insight into emptiness or shunyata when you get to the Buddhist part, right? Mm -hmm. Which has to do with investigating uh, the things in the world around you mm. and what their true nature is. And in Buddhism, they really say, you're going to, if you do that, the pitch is you're going to realize three things. You're going to realize on the one hand that they, even though they appear to be solid and permanent, they're like changing all the time. Mm -hmm. you, you don't experiencing, you don't experience that in a moment by moment way, but that is happening, you know? So the whole world around you is in this constant state of flux, right? Mm -hmm. So point number one, that's true over the long haul. You know, we can all look in the mirror and see ourselves changing over time, but that's even true in a moment by moment way, everything is always fluxing around you all the time, but you don't, you don't really perceive it that way. And then the second part they try to get to is that means when you try to like really go deeper and say, okay, if I'm, if, if I'm surrounded by this world, that's constantly changing all the time. And I'm also surrounded by this world that's really made up of all these different components, no matter what I look at, they're always composed of like, different things, you know, even from a scientific point of view, they're composed of the different chemicals and the different particles and subatomic particles and quarks and little vibrating fields that make everything up. And Buddhism does seem to talk that way. You know, that's another thing that's happening around. So even though those things look to be solid and whole to my mind, you know, they're always going to be either in the state of flux or actually sort of things appearing because it's a whole bunch of things coming together that make up whatever that whatever that part of your, whatever it is that you're experiencing, which include things in the environment around you. And then actually your own nature as a person is like this too, if you look at it closely. So then they get to the capper. This is wisdom, right? The capper mm -hmm. is that ultimately we're going to realize 
the the ideas as you do this that your mind is really creating all of this stuff you know so the world that you're experiencing is much more a product of the state of your own mind and because it's a product of the state of your own mind as much as it is anything solid in the world around you or solid even in your own nature it's changeable and uh transformable and uh you can work with it and you can you can evolve it so that's kind of wisdom from a Buddhist point of view, mm-hmm. from the teachings that they talk about in terms of emptiness. The and, other side of – yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say in the second, the second part, the love and compassion portion or the loving well, kindness portion. However, I'll say know. one other part real quick in Buddhism. Sure. It's, it spoke to me. So the other part of wisdom in a way – and this is – some people describe it this way and some people don't. Uh, but the other part of this is that if you go and you look deeply in yourself, you'll probably find – a sort of core of your own being. It's not anything that is, you know, solid and definable. Maybe it's even formless on some level, but there is a core to your own, your own being, your own consciousness. You know, in Chinese medicine, we'll sometimes drop this term Shen, your mind, your spirit, your consciousness. And so you have this core too, and that's what they talk about Buddha nature. So you sort of have these two different ways of talking about what wisdom means, right? Those are the two big ways. You kind of dropped this question on me, so but that, you know, those are those are the answers. That's right, and <laughs> and just to, and and a little bit further expansion on that idea of like Buddha nature or Shen, like this could be moved into even a larger, more you know, less specific ideology, and say like this could be maybe aspects of your soul or something like you know the Christ nature, you know, in in people's individual. We know uh, it's. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's interesting about that, you know, when you bring it up, uh, uh, Daniel is, you know, one of the main people, I mean, you study with him a little bit. I study with him a lot. Gallic Rinpoche, one of our teachers from Tibet, you know, passed away, uh, you know, not too long ago, but, you know, great, great teacher for me and, you know, great Buddhist teacher. And there's a part where someone was asking him, well, when you're talking about this Buddha nature and this Shen, it almost sounds like maybe you're talking about the soul. And, you know, he does a very kind of succinct Buddhist answer, which is, I think that's a very good point you're making. And like, that's the end. You know, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's very well said. You know, he doesn't say exactly yes or no, but he's mm-hmm. saying, yeah, when you say that, you're on to something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So that's this, one this aspect. Is, and yeah, then these the- are these are episodes upon episodes of stuff to talk sure. to. But yeah, sure. if you're throwing it out there, that's that's the quickie definition, right? Yeah. And and yeah. just the second part, for just for you know a little bit of a uh, not a rant, but you know divulge into the loving compassion or the loving kindness. Uh, yeah. We're just we're setting a stage for people, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. on the loving compassion part, you know, I guess we'll end up doing that in different ways as we try to present this. The definitions, you know, because Tibetan Buddhism especially loves to kind of give you these sharp definitions. It's it's handy that way, those Tibetans. Mm-hmm. And so on the love side, they really say that's the desire to see good things happen to people. You know, mm-hmm. you love them and you want to see good, positive things happen to them. And that's the sort of natural state of loving. And then on the compassion side, they say that's the side that you want to protect people from negative things happening to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, com- the combination of those two sets of feelings are love and compassion. And um, on the one hand, you know, you, you feel those things for people that you know and love. And then, you know, so we've had that experience, probably most of us, you know, there's people that we love and we have those, those emotions appear kind of 
maybe naturally just because of the, the closeness that we have to whoever that person is. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, in, in, in the Buddhist world, what they're trying to get to is that you can kind of start to spread that feeling around. So you make a point of sort of spreading your feeling of love and compassion out, you know, maybe including, you know, again, not just the people that you feel naturally that way with, but you start to spread it out to the people that you feel maybe sort of neutral towards people who mm-hmm. don't seem to affect you one way or another. And then mm-hmm. you keep spreading it out, hopefully even to the people that you don't feel that close to. And maybe you feel like you're in opposition to in ways, you know, so they have this whole thing of trying to spread those emotions out so they get bigger and bigger. And you know, so, we're going to be, we're going to be doing this in lots of, you know, this is our, this is the inaugural thing we're doing, but yeah, we'll have lots of time to talk about this and you know, the kind of the exercises that they do uh, meditatively as well to try to get, those states to start to appear to you, you know, cause they have techniques to, to try to develop those emotions. So yeah. I, you know, as you're talking, like, I just find it sort of interesting, you know, going to wrap it back into our, our show about, you know, sort of tantric practice and the Corona time right now is that that, that kind of seems like the current stress on society, right. Is this idea of like putting people's well being first, you know, and not spreading around some, you know, illness, as opposed to continuing on with the economic train, the societal, you know, vehicle that has been moving forward without much uh, pressure up against it. And it seems like, just as you're speaking, that kind of is uh, uh, more prevalent in society. So I hope that, you know, people can kind of take this and, and apply it to actually like a real world thing that's not just, it's not just here, wherever here is for you, but it's all over. You know, well, it's actually like it's painful, you know, whether you're the people who we're talking about who are exactly out dealing with these problems in the immediate of their life. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether they are people who are dealing with illness, dealing potentially with loss. You know, we both know people, I think, who are healthcare workers who are out doing stuff. I know uh, I have one friend whose wife is a is a, you know, an internist and sort of a triage person. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's in the immediate his sister is, you know, uh, a PhD nursing uh, educator, but now in the, in the clinic at University of Chicago Hospital. So we know people who are really out facing this right away. So, you know, they're feeling it. But I think even the other people who are at home and maybe aren't dealing with directly, there's something painful. You know, what gets me about what you're saying, there's something painful about having to see that side of the way that our society works. It's, it's, it hurts on some level. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. You know, whether you're out in the immediate, like facing it because it's the reality of your day to day life or whether you're just looking at going like, wow, we're really going to do this again. This is going to be about people trying to optimize their own cost benefit analysis out of this and playing the cards right. So they get the best benefits for themselves, even under these circumstances. I mean, that shit's painful. It really is. And because some people don't have cards to play with. (laughs) That's true. Some people are playing like, yeah. Yeah, they don't have any, they have nothing, they have nothing even to ante into the game, right? Right, and, and it was like that before all this occurred. They got no chips, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, for sure. So we were, when we were going through and we were talking this through, we were trying to go, okay, look at all the people who are dealing with this in the immediate because we want to give them their, their shout out, right? Of course. And, and you know, we know individual people who are doing this, but we also, of course, you know, we can extend that out just like the love and compassion thing to all the people who are facing this. So you brought it up like people who are having financial difficulties, right. Or having to work under these adverse circumstances, right. Out there doing whatever they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw one of the guys from Amazon was just basically going, 
okay, so we're we're moving boxes around in these hazardous conditions. We're not obviously getting the protective equipment that we need. We're not getting hand sanitizer. We're not getting gloves and masks. You know, mm -hmm. that's not happening in our reality. And, you know, part of what we're doing is like necessary work. And he was being honest, you know, he was saying part of what we're doing is we're shipping a bunch of like dildos for people and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the reality of our like working circumstances, you know? Right. So, you know, doing something heroic, but like not necessarily doing it with a bunch of support. Right. 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 Yeah. There, there's a, there's infinite stories like this. And, and as time passes, there will be more that come out because I think right now it, 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 we're sort of chasing the, uh, chasing the rabbit, like the, those race horses, you know, that chase the rabbit around the track trying to, you know, yeah, 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 that's true. we're looking at the rabbit wondering, Oh, when is it going to be over? How long is it going to be? What's going to happen? But in the meantime, life is absolutely happening. And there are people who are going through infinitely different circumstances simultaneously, some of which are experiencing much more hardship than others. Um, but, you know, the, the again, just to wrap it back into our show, the hope is that, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, kind of provide not necessarily like a flashlight to guide you through every aspect of your life because that's individual to make their own choices and whatnot, but at least to be able to provide some tools to, you know, pause and ask questions and be insightful and use the aspects of wisdom, right? To, to peer into oneself or to peer into their immediate reality. And then simultaneously, as you ask questions, then, you know, compare that to your own, you know, sort of moral compass and find out, you know, how does this fit with my idea of love and or compassion based upon my current situation, understanding, upbringing, you know, so on and so forth. These are not dogmatic ideas, but more or less like opportunities to question and then hopefully find some, you know, relief or insight from that. That's really true. And like, you know, again, we were brainstorming this out it was not to put more pressure on people who are already in pressurized situations. Cause we know a lot of people, and you know, we were making our own bullet point list. Again, people who are dealing with illness, people who are dealing with loss, people who are dealing with trying to be out there on the front lines of dealing with these problems, people who have financial difficulties, you know, people who have, uh, you know, mental health issues, right. Or people who have substance abuse issues. Um, I have a lot of concern for people I know who are probably in like dysfunctional families, in dysfunctional Absolutely. relationships. Yes. You know, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we were thinking about all of this and it, again, you could, you could sound in doing what we're trying to do here and say, okay, here's some more stuff for you to deal with. Let's talk about all these additional things mm -hmm. and, you know, all these things you should be doing. And that obviously isn't our intention at all. And we both kind of thought, well, it's really important that we just say that as clearly as possible. Yeah. What we're really trying to do instead is to say, okay, here's some other things that, you know, can be of help to you. Right. Um, you know, and to throw them out there. And, you know, again, part of that will be for people who are just stuck in the situation, the Chris Cuomo situation for the purpose of our episode. Right. Right. What the hell is going on with me, even though they're not struggling in the media, but also for the people who are, who are dealing with the immediate kind of things that, um, you know, we're talking about as well, you know, that there's, that these are tools for, for those people, you know, and not, and something that they can start to try to incorporate as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, you know, there's a good quote that I really like, and it says something along the lines of, the teachings are always antique, but the teachers are always contemporary. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly far from a teacher, but I feel like if, you know, we could certainly pass along some kind of teachings that have had benefit, then maybe at some point somewhere, somebody will find some use out of them, 
you know, and everyone's going to appeal to a different audience. And so for those who hear this, uh, it's almost as if the people who influenced me are now influencing you. And so I am being that sort of pass along and pass through. And if that can in some way, shape or form affect your life or your community in a positive way, then it's, uh, you know, it's an honor to be able to, to have that kind of effect. If I think about the people that I learn with, too, you know, one of the big ideas is that spirituality, psycho-spiritual development, whatever you want to call it, you know, this kind of discovery of oneself, that's always happening under adverse times. Mm. You know, everyone's always up against something. The environment is, is always going to be difficult. There's no way around that, right? So I've studied with Tibetans, and obviously with the Tibetans, you're thinking with people who had to like basically free, flee through the Himalayas, right? You know, and kind of find themselves in a new place in India. But in, in, and do that while at the same time, each of those people individually was also still working on their own stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And again, on the one hand, that could seem like a pressure to some people who already feel overwhelmed by what's going on around them. But I think the other side of that is that uh, these things are also tools, you know? Yes. Yeah. I felt it a lot from the Zen thing too, because, you know, I, I studied in this Zen school and, uh, you know, sort of my main things were sort of studying Zen, studying things around Chinese medicine and Taoism and studying things around Tibetan Buddhism. Those are probably my, my biggest things. Though I have loves and Sufism and Kabbalism and other things as well. But, you know, when you look at the people who are doing the Zen stuff, you know, those are people who lived through World War II. You know, the founder of the Zen place that I was studying in, he was really thinking about after the disaster of the war in Japan and sort of shame that he felt about what had been done in the name of the Japanese and how much, I guess, suffering that some of those people felt like, you know, Japanese culture had caused both internally within Japan and externally. There's just a lot of shame, you know, mm-hmm. and he considered actually like doing uh, harakiri, you know, you take the sword and you cut your own abdomen open, right? Mm. Japanese ritual suicide. And in the end, he said, uh, he decided not to do it. One of his, one of the people close to him said, you can't, you can't do that now, you know, even though you might think in some honorable way, it's an honorable thing to do. No, you really should be out there trying to, you know, improve yourself and improve things for other people, you know, uh, and it, it impacted him and he, he, he refrained, you know, and became sort of a great Zen teacher. So I guess the point in the end is there's always crisis going on. And um, I, I guess, you know, the idea would be that, you know, being involved in these things is sort of like a, a sense of strength, right? Yes. Yes, a sense of strength and a, and a sense of community for those who are walking their own individual path, but, you know, with a sort of similar uh, hope, you know, for themselves. Yeah, I was going to like do a little bit, you know, I, I, I love myself a little, uh, a little spiritual poetry. So I kind of grabbed, there's a great Zen poet, EQ. And what really struck me was like, you know, people have been dealing with the same shit we're up against now forever. And all of these on all of these spiritual traditions. So he has uh, um, what he calls a poem of protest. This great Japanese Zen poet. And he says over and over, taking from this village, starve the farmers and how will you live? Question mark. You know, same shit people are up against now. It hasn't changed at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. had another one. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, because I was going to say, I mean, you know, all this is happening now, but for many people I know personally, it's not like uh, January was some kind of party time you know, where they were rolling in the dough, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah, family sure. life was all good. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, the struggle is real for, for lots of people in various ways. I mean, I have plenty of family members, uh, who are, you know, recovering alcoholics, 
who've battled, you know, have battled with depression their entire life. And, you know, right now we're all sort of, you know, being isolated in this, in this case, but for them, community is absolutely what keeps them, what keeps them going. You know, despite uh, the differences people have in, in their socioeconomic status, most people do enjoy being around other people. And right now, this it's like a, a another kind of you know shot in the gut. So you're sort of down on one side, and then you're not able to be around people who are you know who can help to uplift you, or who at least understand and have some compassion, some sympathy for you, that can kind of help you work through your own you know internal dark plight. And so it's just there's just so many different you know layers to this thing. Um, but you know, as a reminder, like this is a this is about why we do it. To be honest. This is why, because of the desire that we have to help people and to provide some, you know, some kind of moments for, you know, pause to, to see if you can find a little light reflecting somewhere and then trace that light back to wherever it comes from. Uh, and that'll be different for everybody. But if you know, we can provide some kind of insight like that, you know, that's a really kind of a fantastic thing. Yes, yeah, so I think that the idea that we had in this was we want to give respect to people who are you know, going through, you know, what you were making a big deal of, especially that we both felt at this idea that there's a time of crisis now, but for a lot of people, there's been this perpetual crisis going on. And again, it wasn't like January was that great for a lot of people. And now they're just juggling more stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but in the whole, in the whole goal of the whole series of what we're trying to do, you know, not just this one episode, but overall, we're going to try to present things to help people deal with these situations. And it is true that, you do some spiritual practice and it is, it, it better helps you to deal with the stress and the emotions that these kinds of crises kind of induce. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the analogy is kind of like a bamboo shoot, right? Well, I don't, I don't know how that goes, but something like, you know, strong yet flexible. Yeah. And it's like the other one that you get in the Japanese thing, that's a Japanese sounding thing, you mm -hmm. know, is that, and we were talking about this, it's sort of, you know, the way I was presented with this, they talk about making a sword. So there's this Japanese imagery that going through personal development is kind of like making a sword because it's Japan, right? There's going to be a sword involved somewhere or another. Of course. In every conversation. Have right? to. Has to. Has to. There's going to be some cherry blossoms and there's going to be some swords. And, uh, and sake. And some sake. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, uh, some of those Japanese flutes. Mm. So, um, but they basically talk about, you know, the Japanese, the sword development is you just keep pounding the metal and pounding the metal and pounding the metal. And eventually that just refines the metal and refines the metal and like hones the blade. You know, that's the, that's the process. So I guess for the people who are just having this maybe like thrust upon them, you know, because you do have financial difficulties or you do have difficult circumstances, you know, one of the things they are saying is, okay, you know, you can always fall back on the fact that, you know, you're doing the Japanese call it shugo, right? You're doing the you're doing the refinement of the of, of the blade, right? Mm -hmm. You know? And we were really saying that if you were out and you were kind of like taking care of things in your life, you know, we you were talking like someone who comes to your mind would be like a single mom out there trying to like take care of kids and take care of her work and holding all the shit together, you know. Or a single so, dad, you know, single or parent. Single or a single dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, you're already kind of a badass, right? You're I'm, already sort of doing a lot of stuff. And now you have to do more sucks. More you know, stuff but, with less resources. But the, 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 the spiritual side is really supposed to be, you know, you, you can go with the idea that, you know, it's a, it's a Japanese blade homing situation, right? 
and uh, though there's difficulties, it is what refines people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Went a little psych. I got the psych background and, you know, we were talking this through and it is kind of like the Maslow hierarchy of needs too, right? In yes. psychology, people know that little pyramid, right? And down at the bottom, you're just taking care of what you need to take care of on a daily basis, you know? shelter and food and all these things everybody needs but as you go up the pyramid right it gets higher and higher and the 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 goals get a little bit more i don't know refined i guess is the word right but ultimately everyone wants to discover themselves in this way of looking at things uh discover who they are share that with other people kind of know the truth of their own nature what their lives are about but what always has struck me about that is like i think everybody wants to do that even if you're just in the most shitty times, right? You're still asking those questions, right? So if you don't, you know, it's not like those things disappear just because you're struggling to get by on a daily basis. You know, they're still there and sometimes they're just even turned up more, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think anytime that, you know, something happens that is, you know, potent in one way or another, whether that be from an external force or an internal force, uh, there's always a, a a moment that says, well, you know, most people will say, why, or why me, or why now, or why this? And, you know, the, yeah, the why this one, the why this one is big too. I don't want to cut your flow, but that's a big one, right? Yeah. Why and, this? Why this? Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, th- sometimes there's not a clear cut answer. And sometimes the, you know, it, re- it reveals itself later, or there is some resolution far down the line. But, you know, easy for me to say, and I realize that, but it's like if you walk into just one part of a movie and then leave and say, well, that movie was shitty. Well, was it? I mean, you didn't watch all of it. So, you know, part of it is is the patience aspect to this and allowing things to unfold. It's just enduring the, the you know, sort of the results of the circumstances that really make it difficult at that time, you know? And I was watching the, uh, the comedy roast uh, thing. I don't know why I was doing this. I just had a little bit of time to do it. So there did one of Bruce Willis and it's like, you're talking about the movie. If you just watch the first hour and a half of the Bruce Willis movie, it's just him getting his ass kicked. Oh, a diehard. Right? <laughs> yeah. All those movies. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he says at some point, if you've seen the Bruce Willis movie, like, you know, three quarters of it is me getting my ass kicked, stepping on glass, getting my, you know, my shirt torn off if i got no shoes i got no socks I'm crawl, <laughs> crawling through the air vents you know right but in the end i'm gonna kick some ass right and so i mean that's a lot of what it is right yep. you know you're doing this shugo thing in the end you know you're building yourself up right i think the uh acronym the the wording he used was yippee kaye motherfucker that's, that's right <laughs> Uh, the other one from the psych point of view that really came up too, and we were kind of like, again, brainstorming this thing out is Victor Frankl. And I think we'll probably have some episode where we'll talk about some of these psych people, either in long form or short form. I mean, part of our goal for doing the whole project is to have longer episodes, but also to have little snippets, little shots of GNT. Mm. Um, and, um, and the idea is like, you know, Victor Frankl, talks about what it was like sort of being in a Nazi concentration camp. So you're not going to get much more adverse than that. Um, and, you know, he st- what he really realized was that the people who were able to hold on to their own sense of themselves and their own subjective meaning were the people who, who could make it through those experiences, mm. you know, and for any of the people we have who are listening, who are medical people, because we're anticipating, you know, we'll have some medical folks out there too. It really is kind of a powerful statement. He basically was saying, you'd see people who looked younger and healthier, and you think, well, these are the people who are going to make it through this, right? 
but they wouldn't necessarily be the people who would make it through. A lot of those people, what they lost their their sense of themselves, they lost their sense of hope, they lost their sense of their willpower, personal personal meaning. Yeah, personal will. Right, they would be the ones who you know wouldn't make it through. And you know, it was it was he said it was medically as you know as a medical doctor. He was like, well, this is this is bizarre. What's happening here? Because then you'd have some old person who doesn't look like they should be able to make it through that. You know, and then let alone those would be the people who would survive, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it had a lot to do with that subjective sense. It's it's a it's a spiritual thing on some level. Right. It's spirit and meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. So. So I think, you know, what we were trying to say was, OK, you're going to have, you know, the, the whole goal is to present these different kinds of spiritual practices and they do help you deal with stress and emotion. But it's also something about feeling empowered. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you're handling stuff, you're a badass and you should feel that pride of yourself. Right. And you should maybe feel a little bit of that Shugyo experience, that Japanese sword making experience where you're the person out there, you know, doing the badass thing and refining yourself and improving yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, feel that pride of that accomplishment. Right. And uh, yeah. Yeah. and, And it's 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 a pride of doing. Right. A pride of being not that like a one is over another in a sense, but of accomplishment, you know, of, of where you where you have become, uh, what are you doing, even if it's not necessarily to the nth degree of your, you know, uh, life's desires. Right. That, you know, maybe you don't have that Bentley yet. You're still working on it, um, but you're surviving, you know, and you're able to be alive. You're able to breathe and maybe you have some food to eat and maybe you're not naked and you're not living in the street. And all these things are, you know, attributed to your circumstances. Now, perhaps, you know, the, the shoes you got are not, you know, the, the Jordan uh, 13 patent leathers that everybody loves. But, you know, you have shoes. That's good, right? We've, we've sort of made something here. And that's something to be proud of, really, uh, because not everybody's in your situation. And so because of that, because of the fortune that you've been had, and maybe, again, maybe it's not as high as others, but it's still not as low as some other people have. Uh, that that's something for you to be proud of, something for you to really take advantage of um, because not to make it sound bad, but it could be worse. Well, you know, like one of the things I wanted to do, we're going to do these little, you know, short little one hitters I was talking about earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of of the first ones I wanted to do, maybe a little series and meditations around them was about sort of self-esteem and self-worth, you know, just based on the fact that there's a lot of people who don't necessarily feel that. Right. And, you know, the doctor I studied with from China, you know, and doing my Chinese medical training, um, Master Wong, he said that that was one of the striking things of being here, that people, people feel bad about themselves, you know, and objectively, they have no reason to feel bad about themselves, right? Because they might be really like, working their ass off and holding things together. And in, in a way, even on a daily basis, like accomplishing great things. If you're fighting your way through this, this economy, even before, even back in January, even back in, you know, uh, you know, going back, maybe a lot of your professional life, right? You're fight, fighting your way through, you're making it, you should feel good about yourself. You should feel like you accomplished something, right? And if you're also doing that while you're taking care of others, and most people are on a daily basis doing nice things for other people, right? Mm-hmm. Family and friends and loved ones, you should feel good about yourself, but people don't, right? And, and you really should. And, and I think part of that is, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's part of the culture. You know, we're being, you know, sort of programmed or brainwashed or we'll even be nicer and say influenced on a regular basis by advertisements, 
right? Saying that we need this thing or we need that thing in order to make us feel some kind of way. Uh, and that could be from clothes to food to ideas, you know, nightlife or partners or look a certain way or, you know, do a certain thing. And it's, it's a reminder that you're not enough. It's a reminder that what you have isn't enough. And maybe what you have is good, but it's not quite as good as that thing over there or that other thing is newer, right? And, and so in comparison, like it's this constant comparing constantly comparing how good are you versus how good you were, you know, looking back at a particular time and, Oh, that was the golden era of my life on the, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just yeah, yeah. to this day, it's like, it's unattainable. You're trying to hug a cloud. And as much as we all want to do that, ultimately that cloud's empty. Referring back that's to a, the emptiness of. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a, a classic way of phrasing that, right? Yes. You're just, you're just trying to grasp hold of the clouds. Yeah. I'm like at home, you know, we're all stuck and I got my 17 year old and she is just working out like a fiend, you know? So every time I see her, even it's like, yeah, I'm up late doing my meditations and stuff after my day of work. And I, I poke my head in the room, you know, after giving a discreet knock on the door, cause who knows what the 17 year old's doing in there. And, uh, you poke your head in and she, it's inevitably like there's a workout mat on the floor and she's working on something or other, you know? Uh, and we had a conversation about it the other day and I was like, well, you know, you, I mean, she could be overdoing it to be honest, you know, mm -hmm. from a medical point of view. Um, but she was just like, yeah, she feels this need, you know, and she's like, she's like skinny mini. I mean, she is like, you know, like a fit, thin little thing, you know, mm -hmm. and we had a real honest conversation about, you know, the, the Instagram post where someone poses a certain way and doctors it up perfect. So they look perfect and all that, you know, again, this is like a million, uh, you know, a million episodes to talk about, but yeah, there's oh, yeah. something about the culture. Yeah. Right? We're not allowed to feel good about yourself. So I guess that's part of the thing is to feel good about yourself. And, you know, it hit me in thinking about developing sort of, again, another little one hit around this one, a little short shot was, you know, it, it really struck me. And I don't know if I, if I think about it all the, all the time this way, but I thought, you know, you really have to have some sense of your own self-esteem. So you have something to kind of build your spiritual project on, you know, and Correct. I guess that's one of the first things you have to figure out. And you and I have had honest conversations, you know, uh, off the air, quote unquote, mm. about this, you know, that there can be real, like real struggles of this, you know, that people don't feel good about themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we both have had our moments like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and when you really take a step back, it gets back to what, what, what my teacher from China was saying, when you really take a step back and you look at it objectively, you know, when you actually look at your day, you can really look back and say, you know, shit, I did a lot of good things today. Mm -hmm. You know, I helped this person out. I did this thing that was good. You know, most of your day is probably spent in things that are good, doing stuff that's either good for yourself or doing good for others, right? You are doing that probably, right? Mm -hmm. But people don't own that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's something really worthwhile thinking about. Agreed. So in a, little, in a little short episode, it's almost going to be, you know, part of the meditation is almost like look honestly at your life, look honestly at your day and like see all the good shit you did and feel it right agreed yeah yeah shifting shifting perspective is huge yeah for sure yeah yeah especially in like these kinds of times yeah, yeah. well i think that's a i think that's a good place for us to pause for today my friend and we will continue uh, as long as we are alive so um <laughs> yeah one episode yeah uh, going on to whenever yeah yeah for sure so uh we are going to uh bid our adieus and we shall be back uh again soon any any last parting thoughts before we hop off 
No, I think you caught it, my friend. Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for uh, tuning in to Gin and Tonic. Well, actually, you, yes. know, you know what, Daniel? I'm cutting you off. You're going to have to edit this shit out. Sorry. Yeah. The one thing we have to say at the end is, you know, we're starting this project up. And what Daniel and I are both going to be doing is trying to provide more and more material for people to kind of look at around the subject matters that we think are important. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or I shouldn't say we think we think are important. The subject matters that are important. Right. Yeah. A, a, important to all of us. Own that so, shit. So we're doing we're doing uh, little short interviews with people that we're going to start putting up so you can look for that. Yeah. We're going to do little shorter presentations. Uh, probably for both of us, things that are maybe more meditative exercises and little, mm -hmm. little other thoughts that are relevant. So, yeah, you can be kind of keep an eye out for those things too. We're building, we're building. So yes. uh, for if Eric, you build it, they will come. That's right. Let's hope gin and the gin and tantra model. That's right. You build it, they will come. Let's uh -huh. hope so so uh, <laughs> for uh, Eric and Daniel, we appreciate you listening, uh, and we hope to see you soon again uh, at gin and tantra. Yeah.